beloved. Welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. It's the end of the week. We got a great show for you tonight. It's going to be interesting. We're going to talk about babies with guns. We're going to talk about Elon Musk, In-N-Out Burger. Veterans finally have something that they should have had a long time ago. There's a man in San Francisco who finally got arrested. And there's another one in Indiana. Speaking of babies with guns, who also got arrested. There's a lot going on in the world. How about we get into it and do some headlines? Highly play the bumper. All right. So I know a lot of y'all love Tesla. You love Elon Musk. And you guys are big fan of his because you think that he's, you know, the second coming of Jesus. Y'all just love him. But uh, the Guinness Book of World Records have given us some in interesting information about Mr. Musk. And apparently, recently, the Guinness Book of World Records uh, said that Elon Musk has lost the largest, the biggest <laughs> dent in, his, in one's personal wealth in the history of the world. The largest loss of personal wealth in the history of the world has happened to Elon Musk. The Guinness Book of World Records has announced that since November of 2001, Elon Musk has lost about $182 billion worth of his worth. It's a lot of money. If I had $182 billion, I would be the nicest person ever. <laughs> I'd be good to everybody. I don't, I, would, I don't know if I'd give him money, but I would be happy every day. Just wake up in the morning thinking about, I had $182 billion. Anyway, back to Elon Musk. That's how much money he lost, people. Yes, according to reports, Elon Musk's net worth has taken a hit, in part due to the poor performance of Tesla's stock and, the and his acquisition of Twitter, which cost him billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. Now, all of this might be financially and technically true. I can't argue with the people who know finances and why somebody would lose their wealth better than me, but I happen to think there are a couple of other reasons why Mr. Musk lost his money. Stick around, children. It's about to get good. I got a reason for you. I like to think if you traffic in conspiracy and if you're mean and nasty to people, allegedly, <laughs> and if you sign on to dark right-wing conspiracy theories and ideologies, um, at some point, you reap what you sow. I'm not surprised Mr. Musk has lost his money because I think the principle is true. Put a seed in the ground and the seed you put in the ground is going to come up out the ground the same way you put it in. If you put an apple seed in the ground, you don't get oranges. Come on, people. If you put a pineapple seed in the ground, you don't get lemons. What you put in the earth is what comes back to you. See, in the book of Psalms, David asked the question. Here's what he asked. Why do the wicked prosper? And the answer came back, they only prosper for a season. And in a little while, they are cut down like the grass of the field. See, the point I'm trying to make is a very simple one. You can't be negative and you can't be, you know, decadent, allegedly, <laughs> and expect to win all the time. At some point, your negativity and your decadence comes back to bite you on the butt. I'm not surprised Mr. Musk and his wealth is taking a hit. What you put out in the world, beloved, will come back to you eventually, so be sure that what you put out is what you want to get. If you traffic in impoverished ideas, then I'm not surprised 
when your wealth is diminished. See how I did that? <laughs> Elon Musk doesn't appear to be a very nice person, allegedly. He doesn't appear to be charming or compassionate or kind, allegedly. In fact, he appears to be somebody who really needs a hug. He also appears to be someone who is, you know, willing to do things that most people of decency would never do. So since all y'all think Elon Musk is the greatest thing since Jesus, he's so smart, so wonderful, and so techie, 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 and all y'all just want to learn something from him. Here's what y'all can learn from him. When you do mean and nasty things, allegedly, ultimately, you don't get away with it. <laughs> Let's move on, people. Let's talk about In-N-Out Burger. Yes. I know you didn't see that coming, but let's talk about In-N-Out Burger. So if you live on the West Coast, particularly in California, you know something about In-N-Out Burger. It's a very popular spot in California, all right? It's a very California thing. In-N-Out Burger was founded and created in Los Angeles 75 years ago, and it's mostly a West Coast institution. They also have them in Arizona and Nevada, and now they have them in Texas all of which happens to be west of the Mississippi. But it's really a California institution. If you live in California, you know how popular In-N-Out Burger is, okay? People go crazy over these burgers. I've had the burgers. I think they're good burgers, okay? I don't go as crazy about them as other people do, but In-N-Out Burger's good. I'm not going to lie. It's good burgers. I think they need to punch up the fries. I really do. But that's a whole other conversation. But the burgers, absolutely I'm okay with that. There are people, by the way, who when they land in LAX, the first place that they go is the In-N-Out Burger. And conveniently, there's an In-N-Out Burger right outside the airport. <laughs> as soon as you leave the airport and go on Sepulveda, there's a street in LA, In-N-Out Burger is right there. And there are people who come to LA and the first thing they do is go get them a burger. Well, I got some good news for you people. Those who don't come to California much, you're not West Coast kind of people. Here's the good news. In-N-Out Burger is coming east of the Mississippi. Who's clapping? <laughs> Juan's clapping. I'm just saying, In-N-Out Burger is going to have moved their headquarters or move at least one of their stores, as it were, to, to Tennessee. Huh? And now you can get In-N-Out Burger east of the Mississippi River. Congratulations, In-N-Out Burger. We wish you well and your move as you move eastward to give people out over there, you know, where I come from, a chance to taste what we already know out here on the West Coast, okay? But I just thought, since we were talking about burger places moving, that I might say a few words about some restaurants that I might want to move. I mean, come on, we're talking about it, right? So I know a lot of y'all don't like White Castles, but um, I wish there was the White Castles on the West Coast. White Castle is only in the East. It's only in the Midwest and the East. There's no White Castles on the West Coast. Why can't we have White Castles in California? And don't talk about White Castles, okay? Because 3 o'clock in the morning, it's the only thing open. <laughs> Them burgers get good about 4.30 a.m. after a long night of sin. And you know what I'm talking about. I got some more. I'm not done. How about this? How about, how, can we have a pot bellies on the West Coast? You, do you know there's no pot bellies on the West Coast? They're only on the East Coast and in the Midwest. Could we get one in California? Have you had one of them sandwiches? Juan has never had a potbelly sandwich because he was born and raised in California. 
when you eat pot belly, son, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you believe Jesus really is as real as they say he is. It's delicious, okay? How about this? Could we have a veggie grill in New York? Y'all know Veggie Grill is the vegan fast food place. The food is amazing, but there's no Veggie Grill in New York. We need a Veggie Grill in New York, people. Huh? The Veggie Grill in Chicago, and that's as far east as it goes. It's a West Coast thing, only in Chicago, and it's as far east. Can we get one in New York? Here's my last one, okay? This is the one I've been waiting to say. Speaking of New York, I don't know who owns Philippe Chow. I don't know who is the proprietor of that wonderful establishment right off Fifth Avenue in New York City, Mr. Chow, or the relatives of Mr. Chow, or the group that owns Philippe Chow's. But could you put a restaurant back in LA again? I know the pandemic did what it did, but we really need you out here. We really need that sea bass. Mm, mm, mm. How long is this show? <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> All this talk of food got me hungry. I'm just saying, Mr. Chow, come on back to L.A., okay? We'll greet you with open arms. You can do it, sir. Anyway, it just goes to show you that sometimes when you love something and you can't get to it, you turn it into more than what it is. You knew that was good. We'll talk about that later. All right, let's do one more. Let's talk about lunch debt. It's got a theme going on in this show, right? Let's talk about lunch debt. So around the country, there's a growing problem in American schools that has nothing to do with education, although education is a problem in American schools. And it has everything rather to do with the commitment, this country's commitment, America's commitment to the well-being of our children writ large, as it were. To all American students, uh, all over America rather, students have been racking up lunch debt, which happens to be what happens when schools feed hungry children and hungry students that don't have enough money to pay for the meals, um, but require them to pay later. And then what happens is they start to create large amounts of debt because their financial situations don't change and the need to eat food and be hungry doesn't change either. And debt, right? You want to feed them, pay us later. When you're poor, I can't pay you ever, and yet I'm still hungry. And so what we have all over schools in this country is a, is a mounting problem of student debt. Now, up until recently, the federal government provided assistance to families and schools to pay for these meals. So more than 50 million students in America needed this assistance, but as of 2022, Congress ended the free lunch program as of 2022. Remember that date, because we're going to come back to that in a second. So, because the program was ended by Congress in 2022, students are racking up vast amounts of debt, lunch debt. First of all, it should be illegal for a child to have debt. Let's just, can we just start there? Can we just start there? Why are we creating debtors, children, and turning them into debtors while they're still children? Whole nother conversation, don't have time for that right now. But because some of the students, okay, have had so much debt, schools have stopped giving them full meals, which has to be the second most ridiculous thing that you're gonna hear on this show tonight. The other one you're gonna hear a little later, the most ridiculous thing. So schools have said, we're not giving the students who, who don't, who have this debt, we're not giving them full meals. What do you give them, a half a meal? 
a quarter of a meal? Am I half hungry? Am I quarter hungry? I'm trying not to cuss. Y'all just pray for me. Okay, let's go back to the day. Because Congress decided to get rid of this in 2022. Remember I said that? And the last time I checked, in 2022, Republicans were not running Congress. Come on, Dr. Sean. Last time I checked, in 2022, Republicans were not running the House or the Senate. Guess who was? The Democratic Party. So somebody needs to explain to me how the Democrats got away with ending the child feeding program for schools that eliminated this debt and none of us noticed it. And what were the governing principles that Democrats were operating under that made them believe that it's, it was okay to get rid of this funding? And let me say something right now for some of y'all say, oh, Dr. Sean, we can't afford to do what we were doing in the pandemic forever. Shut up. Because in some cases, yes, we can. I didn't mean that to be Obama-ish, but yes, we can. If we can send billions of dollars to Zelensky in the Ukraine, if we can spend billions of dollars on bombs and, and foreign aid, we can afford to feed our own children. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell me we ain't got the money for it. What we don't have is the will. And somebody explain to me how we don't have the will to feed our own children. These are our children. Not like these, not like these are children from Ireland. <laughs> these are children from Guatemala or children from Angola. Take a country, Canada. These are American children. They were born here. See how I did that little preacher? They were raised here. Huh? And we decided we don't want to feed our children. Could it be that the reason we don't want to feed these children is because most of the poor kids that need help buying, paying for their lunch or black and brown children? Could that be the reason why? And if that is some of the reason why, then somebody in the Democratic Party needs to explain to me why in the hell they thought it was a good idea to get rid of this program. And I'm a Democrat. I'm a progressive liberal. I want to know what's going on because I got some questions. Somebody needs to answer my questions. Who got rid of this program? And now we got kids mounting up debt. Anyway, so let me say this to everybody who don't care about these kids who can't afford to buy their lunch. See, there but for the grace of God go all of us. It's my kid who can't afford lunch today, but it might be your kid who can't afford it tomorrow. So how about we deal with it when it's my kid so that it never has to get or affect yours? That's how it should work. It's called the common good. Hmm? A more perfect union. Yeah. Let's take a break. When I come back, I'm going to tell you about a toddler with a gun. Got toddlers running around. We got six-year-olds shooting teachers and toddlers running around with guns. America. <laughs> what a great place. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Got some more headlines for you. Strange things going on in the country. There are strange things moving across the land. By now, all of us have heard of this toddler in Indiana um, who was caught on videotape in the hallway of his family's apartment waving a gun. And just in case you were not, you know, aware, here's the video. There it is. A toddler in the hallway waving a gun. And just so that we're clear, what you just saw was a toddler with a loaded gun. It was not a toy. The gun was not empty. 
The gun was absolutely unequivocally loaded. And the only reason, matter of fact, the gun was loaded with 15 rounds in the magazine. And the only reason that gun did not go off was because there was no bullet in the chamber. And if you watch the video long enough, you will watch and discover that the child pulls the trigger a couple of times. That child could have blown his own brains out. That child could have shot through a wall and killed somebody else. And the only reason it didn't happen because there was coincidentally no bullet in the chamber. So the police were alerted to this apartment building because one of the neighbors observed the baby in diapers with the gun. The police first went to the apartment where the baby was. They approached the father and um, the father said that he didn't have a gun. So the police, not having a warrant or anything, they left. The neighbor runs out, catches the police and says, look at my video. There is a gun in that apartment because the, here's the video of the baby with it. The police see the video, go back to the apartment and say to the father, oh no, there's a gun in here. We just saw a video of this little baby with the gun. And ironically, by the way, the baby was the one who pointed the police to where the gun was. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up in America. <laughs> and now thankfully, Shane Osborne, who is the father of the toddler, he has been arrested and charged with neglect uh, of a dependent following this uh, entirely ridiculous incident. The father claims that the gun was not his and that it was allegedly, uh, it belonged to a relative. And, uh, I just think that this story is another horrible example of why there are too many guns in this country. But we just did a story the other day about a six-year-old shooting a teacher because he was mad at the teacher. And now we got toddlers. I think this kid in the video was four. We got toddlers in the hallway playing with guns, you know, like it's, I don't know, Batman and Robin. Don't you think that life, the universe, God, whatever the hell you believe in, something is trying to tell us that we're doing a little, we have too many guns in this country. How many times have I told you there are 400 million guns in America and only 300 million people? There are 100 million more guns than there are people in this country. Doesn't anybody think that that's a problem? And, and if you don't think it's a problem on a normal day, shouldn't it be a problem on the day that we discover that there are six-year-olds and four-year-olds carting guns? Shouldn't that be the day that somebody says, hmm, this might be a problem? This is a problem, people. It's a problem. It's, it, is, it is unequivocally, it is unequivocally, undoubtedly a problem. What is it going to take for this country to get over this sick fetish of violence and guns? Our willingness to think that a gun has the power to make us more man or more of a man or to make us whatever it is we think a gun will do for us. That willingness to believe that and that willingness to inflict violence on each other, that willingness to be willy-nilly, see how I did that? The willingness to be willy-nilly with the, with, the, with the potential for violence is a problem. It is a sickness. And now it's affecting our children in ways that it never in ways that it never has been able to affect them before. Now we got toddlers carrying guns, six-year-olds and four-year-olds waving them around. We gotta do something about this, okay?
And I know, I know what you say, Dr. Sean, I have a gun for protection. Dr. Sean, my gun is to make sure that I'm safe. By the way, I'm all for that, by the way. I, I, I'm not, I do not have a problem with anybody having a gun for protection, okay? Because you break in my house and I have a gun, I'm going to shoot you. I, I'm, I pray after. <laughs> I pray while you're laying there, waiting for the ambulance to come get you. I'm all for that. But here's something you should know. Most of the time when people have guns in their homes and those guns get used, most of the time, statistically, most of the time those guns are not used on intruders or they're not used for protection. Most of the time when people have guns in their homes that they claim are for protection, those guns are more often used to injure people that the people who own the guns know. More often, Google it. More often than not, those guns become the culprit or the means by which someone that we love or care about or know gets injured and in worst case scenario is killed. I'm just saying, I'm all for protection, but um, 100 million more guns than we have people, I don't think that's about protection. I think that's about something else. What do y'all think? Let's move on. Let's talk about Ron DeSantis, okay? Because this, this, there might be some cussing. So, master control, get ready. <laughs> master control is the people that beat when you say bad words. Anyway, Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor of Florida, has decided to block a new AP course. That's the, hmm, that's him right there. <laughs> a new AP course for high school students in African-American studies because he claims with his vast, with his vast education and his vast experience in these things, he claims that the course is teaching critical race theory. Now, before we go any further, we always feel obliged and obligated to say this. Once again, critical race theory is only taught in law schools and at graduate level education in this country, okay? Which means that it's not taught Critical race theory is not taught in elementary schools and it's not taught in high schools. And it has never been taught in high schools and never been taught in elementary schools. Critical race theory, just to be clear, is never even taught in college. You have to be a graduate student and specifically a law student to learn it. But the truth of the matter is, Ron DeSantis, what Ron DeSantis rather doesn't like has nothing to do with critical race theory. What Ron DeSantis doesn't like is the fact that American history has details that don't make him feel good about himself. Ron DeSantis doesn't want African-American studies to be taught in high school because to study the African-American experience in America doesn't make white people look good. I'm just getting started. Sit down, people. <laughs> Take this ride with me. Ron DeSantis doesn't like the inconvenient truth that American history, as it relates to the African-American experience, exposes the brutality, the inhumanity, the immorality, the greed, the decadence, huh? the evil, political, jaundice, negative, horrible, duplicitous, presence in white culture. That's what he doesn't like. He doesn't like that when you study black history and African-American experience via African-American studies, white people end up looking pretty bad. 
And of course, he doesn't like that. And, and, and let me just say this, none of that has anything to do with critical race theory. None of the things that I just mentioned, the brutality, the humanity, the inhumanity, the immorality, the decadence, the greed, none of that has anything to do with critical race theory or any other theory. All of it has to do with a basic understanding of American history. Everything I just said is the product of actual historical facts. Would you like me to prove it? <laughs> it's, it's the end of the week. How about we pull out some receipts, people, okay? Here, here's some of the receipts. You brutally steal the people from the west coast of Africa. You put them in the, in the holes of ships for weeks, if not months, in some of the most barbaric, inhumane conditions. You bring them to, to America, and you whip them, and rape them, and beat them, and spit their families. You deny them the knowledge of themselves, their religion, their God, their history, and their language. You impose your God, your language, your history, your values upon them. Huh? Come on, I'm not done. And then you put them in chattel slavery for 240 years and make them work from sunup to sundown in the cotton fields and cane harvests to build your economy while you offer them nothing. And then, I'm not done, you put them in segregation. You deny them access to education, make it illegal for them to read. You lynch them and stalk them and hunt them and make them feel horrible about being black and make us wish that we were white, so much so that Toni Morrison's gotta write a book about the bluest eye. Black children wanting blue eyes and white skin and blonde hair. Hmm. And none of what I just said is a theory. Not one thing that I just said is critical race theory. It's American history. It's facts. <laughs> ah, here's what I say to people. If you don't like the part that you played in my story, you shouldn't have did it. <laughs> I need an audience, because this is funny. If you don't like the part you played in my story, then you shouldn't have did what you did. I don't know if every white person is a racist. I don't know. I can't look into somebody's heart. I don't have a window into a man or a woman's soul. But I do know that every white person needs to know that white culture is very susceptible to racism. And the only way to know it is to know the facts. And Ron DeSantis is going to hell. <laughs> All right, I gotta do one more before I take this break. Woo, hot grease tonight, baby. We cannot have a show and not talk about George Santos. It is impossible. George Santos, our good friend Georgie, that's his new name, Georgie. Our good friend Georgie has told, has got caught in a lie that is just unbelievable. Remember, remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you that George Santos said that um, his mom died as a result of 9-11, that she died as a result of some sickness, her cancer was brought on as a result of 9-11. And there are videos of George Santos saying that his mom escaped one of the towers on 9-11. Well, new information has come out through the immigration records um, unearthed by the Freedom of Inf Information Act, which revealed that George Santos's mother, Fatima DeVolder, was not even her was not even in the United States of America in 2001 when 9-11 happened. George Santos's mother was living in Brazil 
<laughs> it did not come to the United States until 2003. There's video of this man saying his mother escaped one of the towers. And now we find out that his mama was in Brazil. You know how many thousands of miles Brazil is from Manhattan? His mama wasn't even in the country. Ooh, Lord. Okay. I think it's important to say, before I take this break, that George Santos is clearly a sociopathic, pathological liar. There's no doubt about it, which leads me to believe that he's actually a very dangerous man. That's the part of this story that you're not, what I'm saying right now, you ain't heard on CNN, you ain't heard on MSNBC, and you damn sure ain't heard on Fox News. But I'm gonna say it right here. George Santos is a dangerous man. He is dangerous. If you will lie about things that are obviously disproved or, or provable, you are dangerous. I'm not just talking narcissistic. You are sociopathic. Really. You have no concern for anything other than yourself. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. George Santos is completely decadent, and he has a problem that will not be cured by him simply leaving Congress, which he's not going to do, by the way, because what else is he going to do? He doesn't have another job. This is the best job he's ever had, more money than he's ever made. You think he's leaving because we don't like him? If you're a sociopath and a narcissist, you think George Santos gives a damn about what we think about him? If he'll lie on his mama? <laughs> if you lie on your mama, you don't give a damn about what Dr. Sean thinks. But let me just say this before we take this break. There are videos and photos of George Santos in drag, and he is claiming that he has never done drag before while the person he was living with, and apparently was his boyfriend, confirms that he was doing drag. See, I'm saying all of this not because I give a damn about George Santos, I actually care about you. If there are liars in your life, and people lying to you to your face over and over again, they're dangerous. Run, and if you can't run, then get them the hell out of your life. They cannot be trusted. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to do some best things that I've seen all week. Right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So, um, over the break, one of my producers, her mom, texted me. Well, she texted the producer, and my producer texted me and said, there's, there's no Cracker Barrel in California. I didn't know that. Juan, is this true? There's no Cracker Barrel in California? Okay, yes, Mother Jackson, you're right. We need to get a, a Cracker Barrel in California. What is this thing about restaurants deciding how far they want to go? You know the people out here want some good food too? I got one more thing to say about George Santos, okay? Just one more thing, because I'm not done ranting about that. George Santos is a danger to everything he puts his hands on. And so is every other liar in your life. Before we took a break, I just told you about how George Santos lied on his mama. Said his mama was here in 2001 when she was in Brazil until 2003. And I just want to get this to you. Liars are dangerous. And if you've got somebody who consistently is comfortable lying to you, then you have no idea how far they will go to protect themselves and throw you under the bus. 
See, if somebody loves you and they lie to you, guess what? They don't love you. If somebody claims to respect you and they lie to you, they don't, they don't respect you. Here's what men do. Men, we say that we are protecting people by lying to them. That's what we say to women. We say to a woman, I lied to you because I didn't want to hurt you. The truth of the matter is, beloved, every time you lie to somebody, you hurt them. Withholding the truth or information that people need to make a grown folks decision is not a form of protection. You don't protect people by lying to them. You undermine them. You disrespect them. You turn them into a depersonalized cog in the great wheel of your own desires. That's what you do to people when you lie to them. And if somebody's sitting in the middle of your life and they keep on lying to you, you need to get rid of them. Come on, people. We're going to have an exorcism right now. Lift your hands. <laughs> We're going to get rid of people. All the people who have been lying to your face from this moment on, they got to go. Don't call them back. Don't reach out. Don't accept their money or their favors or nothing else. Anybody who will lie to you and then lend you some money will come and kill you to get it back. <laughs> Liars are dangerous, okay? Are you getting the point of this? Even people who tell little lies consistently will ultimately allow themselves to turn tell big ones, rather, and it's too dangerous to mess with. All right, let me be done with that. I've sufficiently ranted. I might come back to that. I'm not. Anyway. Let's do some best things. One of the things that we like to do here at the end of the week show is to show you some of the best things that we've seen all week. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So, beloved, 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 we like to show you some videos because every now and then after you've had a long, hard week, you've had to deal with the ups and downs, the jibes, the jibs, the juxtons, and the fluxons of life all of the things that come and make us weary, wounded, and weak. We gather and we try to bring you something that's gonna lift your spirit, make you feel good about the fact that you woke up this morning. We call it the best things that we've seen all week. Just little vignettes and videos, a little something to pour into your life. Take a look at this video of a toddler doing something rather precocious to his grandmother. <laughs> Watch this. Time to race, but first, let's start down. Get down, Ganny. Get down, Ganny. You down? Gotcha. I'm ready. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Little toddler. Didn't that make you chuckle just a little bit? First of all, Ganny getting down that low was quite an accomplishment. I just want to shout out to all the grandmothers out there who can still bend down like that. That is a big deal. Shout out to whatever you're taking that allows your joints to still be that flexible. But I just want to celebrate the kid. Not because the kid tricked his grandmother. I just, you know, I don't want a kid to live a life of trickery and turn into George Santos <laughs> by the time he's 25. But I think there's a certain ingenuity to being able to be precocious, right? God bless all the precocious little kids out there, the little boys and little girls who are so intelligent and so brilliant and so black and so brown and so white and so whatever race or color you happen to be, that their minds allow them to create interesting ways to overcome obstacles. 
like beating a grown person at a ra in a race. It's not a bad thing. What you just saw in that video, whether you know it or not, is actually a sign of intelligence. I know it doesn't look like it, but often the fact of being brilliant manifests itself in ways that most people can't detect. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're gonna do a little more best things. I got a couple of stories uh, about veterans affairs doing something really powerful and really interesting. And about a man in San Francisco whose face I would slap if he was here. I'll tell you about it when we come back, right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I spent the entire break thinking about Philippe Chow. <laughs> Chinese food, expensive Chinese food from New York. Anyway, all right. Um, all right, this story, sit down, okay? Sit down and just prepare yourselves to be upset and mutually bothered by it. Because in San Francisco, uh, there's a man in San Francisco named Kalia Gwynn. Mr. Gwynn is the owner of a gallery there in the city of San Francisco, and he was recently taken into police custody after he proceeded to do what I'm about to show you in this video. Take a look at this. This is Mr. Gwynn outside of his gallery, water hosing, putting water on a homeless woman who happened to be in an encampment outside of his gallery. You saw him there pointing down the street, giving her directions as to where he felt she should go after he thought it was his responsibility, his privilege to be able to put water, a water hose on another human being who also happened to be homeless and therefore and thereby defenseless. According to authorities, Mr. Gwynn will be charged with a misdemeanor battery for unlawful spraying of water on or around a woman who, again, uh, happens to be homeless. Now, let me just say this so we can just level set. Nobody wants homeless people in camping in front of uh, their uh, homes. I know I don't. Nobody wants homeless people in camping in front of your business. I get that. I don't want that either. But that does not give you the right to completely dehumanize, to degrade, uh, to disrespect, and to disavow the humanity of somebody else by spraying water on them as if they were some craven dog in heat. Putting a water hose is something you put on a dog to get the dog to get off your lawn. That's not something you do to another human being of flesh and blood, of kin and kith. That's not how you treat another human being. You don't treat human beings like dogs, people. See, actually, <clears throat> and, and ironically, Mr. Gwynn should have been charged with the destruction of property, <clears throat> not just battery, because Mr. Gwynn used that water hose to destroy what little property this homeless woman had. His water hose destroyed it, and his, I almost cussed, his behind should have been charged with destruction of property in the most ironic of ways. Absolutely 100%. You see, well, once again, let me say something that might get me in a little trouble, but I'm grown, so I don't actually get in trouble. <laughs> this is some white folks' mess. This is some white folks' mess. You cannot imagine some black or brown person praying water on a homeless person, degrading or diminishing their humanity. But some aspects of white culture in this country believe that they can do whatever they want to do with impunity, that they can do whatever they want to do when the laws of nature and of nature's God don't apply to them. 
because they white. Prove me that I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm right. I'm absolutely right. By whatever means would someone think that it's okay to water hose another human being like that? No, 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 no. This man didn't want a homeless person in front of his business. I get it. So he's going to use a water hose to remove them? He thinks he has the right to do that. He has the right to take it in. Now, how about this? He could have called the police and said that the person was obstructing his capacity to conduct his business. And guess what? The police would have removed the person. But he took it into his hands because he didn't just want the person to move. He wanted to express his contempt. He wanted that person to be degraded. And so that's why he reached for a water hose and not a telephone. Because the police could have done the job twice as better and twice as fast. And his behind would not be in jail right now. Let me just say this so we can all be clear. Every human being in the world deserves respect. Every human, in, every human being in the world deserves to be treated with decency and with dignity. And it doesn't matter what race they are, what color they are, what gender, what sexual orientation, or what their economy has to, happens to be. We should all be treated with a certain modicum of respect. I don't want homeless people in front of my house. No, I do not. <clears throat> I don't want homeless people in front of my business. No, I do not. But I'm never going to allow the inconvenience of having them there convince me that it's okay to degrade them. That's where my moral line is. Inconvenience <clears throat> is not an excuse for disrespect. And to heap upon someone's head the indignities that come along with me thinking that I'm too privileged to have to deal with this. Instead of shooting homeless people with water hoses, how about we do more to end homelessness in this country? How about instead of dealing with the symptom, we actually deal with the cause? Because if we end homelessness in a rich country, we won't have to use water hoses or call the police. I, I find it so strange that a country that can figure out how to get to the moon and a country that can figure out how to invent a smartphone, a country that can make a telephone into a camera, into a computer, and into a a perfect delivery system for porn <laughs> in a country that can do all that. We can't figure out how to get rid of homelessness. We can build bridges and tunnels and airplanes. We created flight, but we can't get rid of homelessness. I just don't believe it. So um, if somebody had sprayed this white man with a water hose, he would have had a fit. He would have went absolutely back. You know what? Because, of course, he would have felt disrespected and entitled to, to be treated better than that. But because this woman was homeless, he didn't afford her the same courtesy or the same respect. So this man was arrested. And I have to admit that when I heard that he was arrested and will now have to traffic his way through the criminal justice system, it absolutely made my day. Let's do one more. <clears throat> Here's another story that made my day now in this country, veterans who are dealing with suicidal thoughts can receive free treatment, including inpatient care up to 30 days and outpatient care for up to 90 days. And so it is an absolute pleasure for me to tell you that all veterans who are dealing with suicidal tendencies or thoughts can now get free <clears throat> support to deal with those things. That's why it's very good to hear that the Department of Veterans Affairs has decided to provide this service, and I want to emphasize again, for free. 
for this particular kind of mental health crisis and illness. But I think the part of the story that doesn't make sense to me <clears throat> is the question as to why this wasn't free already. Why is it just now that this is free? I gotta take a break and I'm gonna take it right now, but I don't understand why if you can go fight for a country and you can go bleed for a country and kill for a country that you have to come back and deal with suicide and get help for a charge. Should it be the case that if I go fight for the country and my mental health is affected because I fought for the country, then everything related to my mental health should be on the country. I'm just saying. Anyway, I gotta take a break, but let me say this. So if you are a veteran and you were discharged for anything other than a dishonorable discharge and have more than two years of service, you can go to any VA or any healthcare facility and you are eligible and you don't have to worry about dealing with suicidal thoughts on your own and you don't have to pay for it. One of the best things I heard all week. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with some Ask Dr. Sean right after this. So I got one more best things that we've seen all week. And um, take a look at this video of a little brother doing mischievous things to his little sister. That's something I would do. <laughs> I love little kids like that. I love that little boy. <laughs> oh, anyway, that is one of the best things that I've seen in a week. That was good. <clears throat> All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean, people. Roll the video. Hey, Dr. Sean, my name is Cedric, and I need some advice. Do you think you could be in love with two people at the same time? And if so, what's the resolution? Oh, we had a big argument about this question in the control room because Nicole and Hiley said that, yes, you could be in love with two people at the same time. And of course, I thought they were crazy because as far as I'm concerned, where I come from, no, you cannot be in love in love with two people at the same time. Now you can love two people, you can lust two people, you can be attracted to people, you can want to date two people. You can even want to marry two people. But I'm telling you, human beings are not capable of giving all of who we are and all of what we have to offer, which is to me what being in love is all about, to two people. I just don't think we're capable of it. I think we always have a preference. We are evaluating creatures. We always like certain, first of all, we don't even love two pizzas the same. We don't love one pizza place the way, as much as we love another. We don't love two drinks the same way. Who loves a margarita with Patron in it as much as you love some other drink that I can't think of right now because I don't really drink? You get the point I'm trying to make. We don't love basketball teams equally. So if we don't give our heart to the mundane things of life equally, what makes you think that we can love two people at the same time and not be affected by it? I just don't think it's possible. Now, it depends on what you mean by being in love. My definition of being in love is you add something to my life 
that make the trouble of getting out of the bed worth it. You speak to my spirit. You encourage me. You move me. Yeah, well, that's what I think being in love is. I don't think two people can do that. But, you know, Eileen and Nicole think it's possible. They're younger than me, so maybe they see the world a little differently. Or maybe I'm right, and they're going to discover it <laughs> in a little while. Anyway, someone de- emailed me this question. I'm single, looking for a husband. I have three children by three different men, but I don't date men who have children. Hmm? Because I refuse to deal with any baby mama drama. Hmm? My friends say I'm delusional and ask, how would I feel if I liked a man? Wait, let me read it again. How would I feel if a man I liked refused to date me because I have children? Am I wrong to feel the way that I do? Okay, is this a real question? Yes, you're wrong to feel the way that you do. How are you going to have an art against baby mamas and you a baby mama? How are you going to have problems? You know, I don't want no baby mama drama. You are three people's baby mamas. You ought to have a little more respect for baby mamas. Yeah, you cannot, you absolutely, it is ridiculous to apply standards to other people that you yourself could not surpass if they were applied to you. You don't want to date a man with kids, but you got three of them by three different men. <laughs> what? Is this a real question? I, you cannot be serious. You need to stop with the hypocrisy and pull yourself together and close your legs because you got three different kids by three different men. I think, you, I think that's enough, don't you think? How about you focus on some other things? Some other things about who you are and what you represent and what you're trying to bring to the world because you done brought enough kids. I'm so disappointed with you that you won't date a man who has kids because you don't want to deal with baby mama drama. But every man who is the father of your children, when he dates someone, that person has to deal with you. (laughs) Oh, my God. People are amazing, such wonderful creatures. Sound and silence, light and darkness. What What an abundance of contradictions we are. Stop being crazy, okay? And date someone because they're good. And date someone because they're kind and they make you feel amazing and you see goodness and capacity in them. Stop deciding who to date by how many kids they have, okay? That's, that's, that's a part of the story, but it ain't the most important part. Neither is the fact that you have kids, because I'm hoping that there's more to you in the children that you have. But disqualifying people because they're in the same condition that you're in is a form of self-loathing and self-hatred. Love yourself. Love your kids. And be open to loving people who have kids, too. Anyway, great show tonight, right? So glad you tuned in. Thank you for being a part of this. I will see you soon and next time. And remember, don't be like George Santos. We need Philippe Chow in California and Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Y'all be good to each other. I'll see you real soon, people. I love you.